1: Just like that, the second hour is here. Chad, it's been a fast-paced show to start. We've got John McClain coming up in 20 minutes. NFL headlines. There are plenty going into the draft. And with the quarterbacks right now, as contract extensions are all the talk, an hour from right now, Dane Brugler will be on the show. Author of The Beast with The Athletic. The Beast being the most jam-packed, NFL Draft Preview, you can find on literally any prospect. Dane did a full seven round mock draft for the Athletic and spends his entire year putting together this draft guide. He joins us for his visit. That's coming up in an hour. Plus Kurt Schilling on the show in hour number three, talking Major League Baseball. Um, The talk yesterday, of course, about the Jalen Hurts contract extension. Now the highest paid player in NFL history details coming out through Andrew Brandt, through Adam Schefter and others, the the five-year $255 million contract makes him the highest paid player. He's making, on average, $51 million per season. And about $180 million of that is guaranteed to Hertz. And at signing, he has $110 million guaranteed at signing. So... Let's put this in perspective and know what we're talking about here. $110 million guaranteed at signing on the contract. Up to $179 because of the injury guarantee that's also included in this. So, dude got paid. More power to him. Uh, Agent did a fantastic job. He deserves it.
2: Which that money is what truly matters to the player. Right. That is what you are guaranteed to get when you sign. So that's that's the most important part for the player. Yeah. You're going to get into the salary cap part well, of this, too so for the
1: team. Yeah, the salary cap is when you see what they've done, it's not like, I mean, when you see the salary cap hit for the Browns and Deshaun Watson, I mean, it, it's it's massive every single year. And Schefter put out the tweet, I think we just showed it, let's put it back up, um, on, on what the uh, impact will be on their season, on their cap. He's only going to count 6.1 million per year, or for this year, on the cap for Philadelphia, followed by 13.5, then 21 in year three of this extension, and 31 million against the cap in year four of this extension. What they've done and what teams are doing, uh, or what they could do in a situation like this, are voidable years on the back end of a contract. So it looks massive But really, by the time you get to certain years, you either continue to renegotiate and restructure and kick the can down the road, or there are ways to set up a contract that are more cap-friendly while putting uh, players' money in their bank account immediately. And you can see what Andrew Brandt is tweeting about with, you know, you have option bonuses in the deal that could bring on more cap. That would be 27 and 28. Massive cap charges, maybe north of $70 That's what we were seeing in voidable years or what we started to see with what the Saints did with Drew Brees, right? They continued to restructure. By the time you get to the cap hits that Andrew Brandt's talking about, they'll restructure all this and it benefits the player. It also benefits the team because you're making more cap space based on all that. At some point, you have to pay. You have to pay for what you're doing with the cap. But the gamble would be if you're Philadelphia is that you're setting up your cap down the road for what's going to be a much larger cap than it is today. And while you didn't see it in the recent contract extensions of uh, any of the the guys like pre-COVID or going into that COVID year is the COVID season.
2: Mahomes, Josh Allen, that that
1: group. Yes, but also like Tannehill got extended after that year. There was one or two others. You had to account for the fact that the cap was going to go down, not up, based on revenue and everything involved with that. And now that you have the new TV revenue coming in and uh, the billions that are being made off of it, the gamble would be, hey, we're we're going to be willing to pay and take that cap in and still be competitive because the cap's going to be up and we can absorb more of it then than we have to now. So it benefits the player. And it, I think the assumption is, oh, Jalen, look at this. You know, Hurt's got... It, he got paid, and he's not counted against the cap. What's going on with my roster? Well, there's there, therein lies your answer is they've structured this to where they either have voidable years or they take the cap hit much later in the guy's career after they win a couple Super Bowls.
2: Or, you know, if they're not competing for Super Bowls, it's a way to cut bait, you know, later sure. in the, yeah, the run I mean, and then not, you know, be done with it. It's It's smart business, right? I think we both agree this was a wise move by the Eagles. Sure. And the way they kind of manipulate the cap a little bit, it, it's just a smart way to do it. it. It leads people to say, well, is the cap truly real? It, it is, but these are the ways you can finagle it. So even when you see a monster contract like this one for Jalen Hurts, you look at it and say, well, it's not awful for the team. Because the immediate response, we were getting some of this on the YouTube chat, was so now the Eagles can't go get good players because they've got so much money locked in with quarterbacks. Well, it does hinder their ability to do certain things, but because of the way Hutton you laid it out, that it's structured, it doesn't completely negate their ability to field a really good roster around Jalen Hurts because of the way it's backloaded and what they could do three years from now if they want it.
1: Yeah, and they with the injury guarantee and other like they're only going to have to pay him up to 179 million of the 255 period, and only 110 is fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, and then the, you have the injury uh, aspects lock in once he's on the roster, which he will be. But again, like, I, I, I think the structure of it is brilliant. And I wonder how much of that structure is what we're going to see with Burrow and Herbert, uh, maybe even Lamar Jackson, with just more money guaranteed at signing, that can also lock in with voidable years moving forward for Baltimore. where he, The voidable years meaning you cut bait, and you're never actually going to see the money that's on the back of the contract, even though that money counts to prop up the overall number that you're pushing and that the player wants out there, right?
2: Yeah, th- this seems like, to me, um, the proper measuring stick for Herbert's upcoming contract. Yeah, that's With Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I don't know that it's apples to apples with Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow. So this is a good marker of, okay, here's where Jalen Hurts is. Joe Burrow's going to go above that. I think Lamar Jackson probably goes above that. He got offered that above that already from Baltimore, goes above that. And then Herbert will be right around that Jalen Hurts number. That's the way I sort of see this breaking out. If I'm just, okay, now that it's like draft picks being slotted with what they're going to make yeah. for the most part. Yeah. To me, this helps the slotting system more than what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson because this is a more logical conclusion from a franchise that knows what they're doing with the Eagles that everyone can look at and say, now this is what we're paying you against and compared to.
1: And I think it's also important that the Eagles have drafted well, so that's allowed this process to play out this way because you, they have players under rookie contracts, the more affordable contracts. And they're not having to pay big money. And they they can do that now, but they're not having to pay the big money to overspend and bring in players because their younger players that are four years into the league or less aren't panning out. Those guys have. And they're either getting paid elsewhere whenever the contract is up, or you enhance by bringing in and trading for a guy like A.J. Brown who is going to pair well with Devontae Smith, but he only does that because they hit on Devontae Smith, who's playing under the rookie contract. And you compare him with a guy that's getting paid. At some point, though, Chad, when it's time for Devontae Smith to step up and say, hey, it's time for big money as well, he'll also break the bank, and then you can't pay everyone.
2: Yeah, I mean, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, big-time offensive lineman, someone's not going to make the cut. Devontae Smith, yeah. right? I mean, that's but they that, someone's not going to be in that. It, but they it, can it absorb. Be. They
1: can absorb a bigger contract if they need to, based on the way the 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 contract is structured of their quarterback. So many teams are hamstrung by the quarterback hit because if you cut the guy, you're out. Yeah. So you or trade like you still have to absorb the hit based on the money you gave a couple years ago. Something to think about, and and it's something behind the scenes where yesterday's headline of 255 million, comparing it to Lamar, it's just different based on the way the the Eagles have been really good at setting up this roster and setting up a moment like yesterday. Not everybody can have that, do that because not everybody's as good as they've been behind the scenes at drafting and acquiring talent.
2: And that division is formidable that the Eagles are in right now. So important to have your young quarterback uh, <laughs> locked up for the future. Well, think about the quarterbacks that are, are
1: being paid now. Of course, Hurts, but you've got uh, the uh, Prescott contract down in Dallas, right? Um, we just saw Daniel Jones get paid in New York. Tied for seventh highest-paid quarterback in the league. Yes. Soon to be, like, not even top ten, though. Keep right. that in mind.
2: Which is where he should be, yeah. not top ten.
1: Right. I, I think the, the, the rankings that you'll see now for where they rank it's salary-wise. constantly
2: be reset. With at the next some you'll be
1: like, oh, Daniel Jones is – winning games again, and he's only being paid in the top 15, not the top 10. That's about right. Um, but not the case now. He's, like Chad said, tied for seventh at $40 million in new money per season with Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott. But then you have Washington, who is trying to figure out their situation. And I, maybe they are a wild card for a quarterback in the draft. Who knows? But the big money talents when you start looking around the league in the nfc if i'm finishing second or third in the nfc east i'm feeling okay because i feel like i'm going to the playoffs
2: yeah it's look it's one and then you got washington on the flip side of that right yeah but washington <laughs> they was, got a good defense
1: yeah but they're i mean they are it's not like they bottomed out and had two wins either you know it's, yeah. they're a weird Situation just because of what's going on behind the scenes?
2: Maybe I'm crazy here, but the Eagles quarterback situation to me is light years better than anyone else in that division. And I'm including Dak Prescott and the Cowboys with that right now. With the money? And it's it's probably a little bit of proximity bias because he just got this team to the, the Super Bowl and won the NFC. And had he not been hurt late in the year, probably would have been MVP. But give me young Jalen Hurts entering into his prime at this point in his career with that roster over Dak Prescott and the Cowboys any day, over Daniel Jones and the Giants. I love what the Giants are doing with Brian Dayball. I love that turnaround this year. I like the nucleus around them. And Daniel Jones had a nice year. Give me Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones any any day of the week. So while that is a division setting up to be great for the foreseeable future, I'm still – taking the Eagles and Hurts all day every day right now. Chad, how
1: about the story in Buffalo? DeMar Hamlin cleared to resume full football activities. That according to general manager Brandon Veen, I would have never guessed this is happening this quickly. Maybe we see it down the road where he makes a, tries to make a comeback and uh, he makes an appearance in a game. I would never have expected where we were on Monday Night Football and to fast forward to April and this headlines out there, I mean, it, his his return to full football activities happened faster than a dude that tore his ACL.
2: That's it, incredible. It's, it's awesome. It's a great story that he's going to be back out there. Help me out here though. Did he ever say what happened, or no. has any doctor said it? We've all speculated no. it was. Other than we know is a commotio cortis is what everybody speculated, but no one has said it. I don't think that serves the greater public well. It's totally his decision, but this was a high-profile deal. You could help a lot of people by explaining what happened. I, I, I do not understand the secrecy and the silence in what happened to him. We think we know. We've had doctors, cardiologists on this show that have explained to us what they saw and what they would say probably happened. But they don't know because they're not treating DeMar Hamlin. Well, all we know is it was they're cardiac, not cardiac arrest, but that's it. Yeah, but we don't know what caused it. We don't know if it was commotio cordis, if it was something else that happened. All I'm saying is I'm not alleging there's something sinister going on. But if not, then just say it. I just think this could really help. It's such a high-profile deal. If it's something that we can get information out there about and people are on the lookout for things like this, could help other people.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just find it, so they've, they've said that he's seen three other specialists addition, in addition to what the team is referencing. He's seen three additional specialists most recently on Friday. They all agree. It's not two to one or three to one, yes, go ahead and play. They're all in lockstep of what this was and that he is cleared to resume full activities just like anyone else who's coming back from injury or whatever. So he's fully cleared, he's here, he's in. He's of the mindset, he's in a great headspace to come back and make his return. Meaning that voluntary off-season training took place and he's there. But not only has he been cleared, they're saying, well, whatever happened with your cardiac arrest, it's not likely to happen again. Welcome back.
2: And maybe there comes a time when he talks more about it, but I would just like to know from my own curiosity, and I also think that there is a greater good element to telling your story. When we all watched on national TV, someone's heart stop, and everyone was terrified for this young guy
3: and rooted him on for a
2: week and rooted him on after that. We all thought that we witnessed something horrific in a football game and it turns out he's going to play the next year. Why the secrecy? Let's talk about what happened. I'd like to know. And I think the medical community would like to know, and maybe, parents of young athletes would like to know i just don't understand why we're not talking about it
1: not even play the next year chad cleared to participate fully the following april yeah which is that's what's so that's a great
2: story and I, i love it that he's able to get back out there and play i just think it would serve a lot of people if they talked about what actually happened
1: coming up john mcclain will join us we'll hit the top headlines with john including A wide receiver traded, veteran wide receiver traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another veteran, and DeAndre Hopkins continues to wait on where he's going to be suiting up this upcoming season. That plus the quarterback discussion with all the contracts and, of course, NFL draft, which is just around the corner a week from Thursday. That's all coming up with John on Hot
0: Mic.
1: Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Sutton and Withrow here for Hot Mike. Chad, about, well, within the hour, Damar Hamlin announced his intention to return and did say that the doctors gave him the commotio-cordis diagnosis, which is hitting the chest directly over the heart that can cause cardiac arrest and then uh, ventricle fibrillation.
2: Perfect timing by me, because 15 minutes after he said that, I raised the question why he hasn't talked about it yet. But now we have our answers. That's well, good. That's what people were suspecting was the case. Yeah. I'm glad that's out there, because, it's, again, I think getting that information out there could help others.
1: No doubt. No doubt. And John McClain joins us, galleriesports.com. A lot to hit this week with John. John, hope you're well. But for, uh, for this cardiac arrest that took place on January 2nd, it is April 18th, and he has been fully cleared to play and return to football activities. That is remarkable. I, I said right before you joined, he had a faster timetable than someone with a, a hamstring, I mean, sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes a hamstring, and definitely if someone c- recovering from an ACL. I mean, it, it's crazy to think how fast this took place.
3: And that's great, of course, for the Bills. That's what everybody expected. He said he was going to. Come back, they said that's the way they were leaning, and now it's official.
1: John, it is also official that Jalen Hurts is the highest-paid player in the NFL. What would you make of the contract and the fact that the Eagles got this done before any of the others get their extensions?
3: That's great for the Eagles because it's funny money, and he's not close to being the highest-paid player when it's broken down, and uh, especially when it comes to guaranteed money. He's actually... Buying Russell Wilson. Of course, everybody is buying Deshaun Watson, but he's happy with it. It looks great for his agent, putting it out there, what the value is, and it can be worth up to 270 million. And that's great for Hertz being a second round pick. And he's from Houston. I'm for anything good that happens to good Houston guys, and he's one of them. You know, their goal is to get to the Super Bowl. That just shows you can have AJ Brown. At 25 million and a highly paid quarterback, at the same time, his cap figures were broken down by Adam Schefter, and they did a really good job on that contract. We'll see now if Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Blake first, because whichever team signs them next, it's going to be less than the other one signs for. And the Bengals, the Brown family, they're not multiple billionaires. Franchise is worth multiple billions, but they don't have a lot of businesses. So when you do a deal like that, you got to put a certain amount of money in escrow of the guarantee. So that's going to be hard for the Bengals to do. So I'm just guessing they're going to be next with Joe Burrow.
2: John, you, you mentioned that you like good things happening to Houston people. Well, count Nick Casario is one of those Houston people now because – he says, like Jordan Belfort in uh, Wolf of Wall Street, he he's not leaving. Uh, what, what do you make of his statement that uh, he's not going anywhere with the Texans?
3: Biggest nine story I think I've seen in 47 years. I wrote last week, he's not going anywhere. It's preposterous. The word was he's going back to New England. He tried to get out of New England to come here three different times, beginning in 2017. He has everything the way he wants it here. Final say on personnel. He hired D'Amico Rines. He's got 12 draft picks this year, 11 next year, two number one picks this year. He makes $5 million a year. If they ever win a Super Bowl, he'd make another $5 million. Why would he go back to New England and take orders from Bill Belichick? If Belichick was gone, then it would make more sense. And he said yesterday to open his news conference, I was ready with the first question that he was embarrassed to have to answer something like that because of how happy he is. But uh, there's a lot of people around the country that tried to put stock in it when it was never true.
1: Why are we beginning to hear that the Texans may pass on quarterback at number
3: two? I think uh, it's been out there for a while that they've soured on CJ Stroud at number two. Their second biggest need is an edge rusher. D'Amico Ryan's former defensive coordinator, you know, would love to have a guy like Will Anderson Jr. They also like Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson uh, at that spot. The people here can't imagine that they would go into the season with Davis Mills as the starter, Case Keenum as the backup. So I noticed the betting odds have jumped up to uh, Will Anderson Jr. And Will Levis, first time I've ever heard Levis's name mentioned in Connection, with the Texans, if they want him, they've certainly done a great job to keep it quiet. And Xerio uh, admitted a couple teams have called him about trading up. You know, we set up the prices right; he'll certainly consider it. But I, in my last mock draft for com. I had them taking Will Anderson Jr. and then Hendon Hooker with the 12th pick. Hooker's stock is going up because of how impressive he's been in all his individual interviews, people are starting to go back and watch the tape closer, and, you know, 10 months after you have an ACL would put him playing again in November if that's what it was. There'd be no rush to play him no matter where he goes. And as far as his age, turning 25 in January, he played 10 years, he'd still only be 35 years old. And today, most quarterbacks play beyond 35, especially if they're any good. So age doesn't count anywhere near what it did 20 years ago. And so I have a lot of people I've talked to that I really respect, former coaches and personnel, people who like Hooker a lot, especially better than Will Levis and even better than Anthony Richardson, who's the ultimate boomer prospect.
1: John, I made the point to begin the show, like the one position where I just could not roll the dice is at quarterback. Rolling the dice in the draft meaning – if I like a player, I couldn't just assume he's going to be available and, like, no one else is thinking like I am at the position. The Texans, of course, they need a quarterback. Uh, we've exhausted the discussion about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But I, I imagine taking defense at two and then saying, oh, we'll get our quarterback at 12. But if you feel that way, not you, but the Texans feel that way about Hendon Hooker, and you feel like there's not a quarterback worthy of the number two pick, why assume that there's a team willing to trade up to get the quarterback you're willing to pass on and also think that in this run that your quarterback would still be there when they draft at 12? It's a very – you can do that at certain positions. I could not do that at quarterback.
3: I don't think five quarterbacks are going to go in the first 12. Four have never gone in the first four. And I think if, you know, would they trade with the Colts or the Titans? Well, Say both of them want to trade up. Or if you bypass C.J. Stroud and the Colts get him, and then you have to play against him twice a year and he sticks it up here, you know what, then that'll end up to uh, be a decision that costs Nick Casario his job. This is his third year of a six-year contract. And I don't know what they're going to do. He's got a lot of draft choices. Maybe he takes Will Anderson two and tries to trade up with somebody From 12 to 7, like, say, the Raiders, where he's really tight with the coach and GM, we don't know. Casario keeps a lid on it more than anybody I've ever seen. And I see these national guys saying what they are and aren't going to do. And I'm thinking they know a lot more than I do, because at this point, I don't.
1: Well, and you know everything about that organization through the years. Um, (laughs) that's, That's what you're insinuating, and I'll say it for you. But what I, I'm not saying that five quarterbacks are going top 12. I'm just saying if they like their guy, he could be gone. It doesn't have to be five. It could just be their guy that they're going to get at 12 that goes before they draft at 12.
2: Is their guy Hendon Hooker? Do what? Could their guy be Hendon Hooker?
3: Uh, not at two. I don't think so. I've always thought if you got a high pick, say two or three in the draft, and a quarterback's value is on 10 to 15, and you like him, you better take him and not look back and care about what anybody thinks. You know, the fact that the odds makers have put Will Levis up there, if they draft Levis, there's going to, first of all, if they bypass a quarterback in the first round, all the exhilaration, the excitement, the optimism that fans have about D'Amico Ryans and moves they made in free agency and having all these draft choices and having the second pick in a draft in which four quarterbacks going to go in the first round in probably five if they don't have one you talk about a buzz kill it's going to be a buzz kill but Nick Casario has final say he'll listen to D'Amico Ryans he'll listen to his coaches his scouts he'll tell the McNair family what he's going to do and it's his decision and if he doesn't like a quarterback any of them other than Bryce Young then he shouldn't take one he doesn't like and if he doesn't then they're going to be in the running again next year. And Drake May of North Carolina and Caleb Williams are of USC at this point are supposed to be better than any of these quarterbacks who are going in the first round this year. But, man, you can't look ahead. Too many things could happen.
1: Why have they soured on C.J. Stroud?
3: No idea. People will say they don't like his agent um, – David Mulligetto represented Watson. That's got nothing to do with it. I talked to him about that a long time ago. They don't care. They had a good relationship with Mulligetto. It wasn't his fault what happened to Watson. They put a no-trade clause what he asked him, gave him a monster contract, Trade him where he wanted to go. That's not the issue. It'll be something about him. It won't be his personality. It won't be his character. It'll be something about his game that they didn't think was worth the second pick. But the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so one of those other teams may love him, trade up with Arizona, could be the Colts take him. What I would love to see is the Texans, Colts, and Titans all get a quarterback in the first round and go into the season with three rookies and Trevor Lawrence in that division and watch them develop, see who does the best job of putting players around them, who does the best job of coaching him. Think how exciting that would be for a division that's the second worst in the NFL.
2: John, this would be such a ballsy move by Casario and the Texans to pass on quarterback at two and try to get one later in the draft. And I admire the courage of it. Does Casario and company, from what you know, have the fortitude to do this? Because you know this will be unpopular with the fan base to not go try to get a franchise quarterback at two.
3: He doesn't give a rat, you know what, about what the fans think, what the media thinks. He cares what the McNair family thinks, but they love the guy. I had a column on both of them, Hannah McNair and Cal McNair, just praising the heck out of him after the league meetings two weeks ago. And so it's his decision. Had he not wanted to hire D'Amico Ryans and they did, they wouldn't have made him do it. They'd give him their opinion. So if he wants to bypass it, he'll tell them why. And if there's a quarterback they want, but they're not scouts, they don't know they're fans. And they'll let him do whatever he wants to do. And when it happens, it will be squarely on his shoulders, putting his job on the line.
1: John, who do you believe, which teams do you believe are in the running to try to get ahead of Indianapolis? That could be with Houston. That could also be at, at Arizona, who currently have the second and third pick. If Houston has soured on taking a QB there, and they can trade back but still keep a relatively high pick ahead of where they pick at 12, who's in the running who would want to get ahead of Indy?
3: First of all, I think anybody need a quarterback, say say it was the Raiders, say the Titans. I just think it's too much for the Titans to do, to trade up, to get a quarterback from where they are. It's expensive, and they need so much, as you guys know. And – Uh Atlanta at nine, you know, if Anthony Richardson were there, you guys know Arthur Smith. He's a former offensive coach. You know, he might be intrigued. They can say they love Desmond Ritter. Maybe they do. But I'm thinking if there's a more talented guy at number nine, they might go with him. And so maybe they would trade up. There's a lot of teams. It's amazing, isn't it, every year how many teams need quarterbacks. This time next year, I'm guessing the Titans are going to be right in the middle of things of teams needing quarterbacks and it's never ending process and you can't guarantee you're going to be bad enough to get a top pick and you can't all be Indianapolis Colts had the first pick got Peyton Manning at the first pick drafted Andrew Luck and uh, now they've got the fourth pick you know would they swap with Arizona I don't think the Texans will trade down any farther that it would guarantee them Will Anderson Jr. or Tyree Wilson They like Wilson, the end from Texas Tech, who's been hurt at a broken foot, can't work out. So they are, uh, if they take him that high, they're doing it based on potential. You do it with Will Anderson, you see him do it the best conference in college football. Now they're different players. Wilson's 6'6, 265. He can play outside, he can slide inside, where Anderson is like 245 and strictly an edge rusher. But the Texans need both. So do the Cardinals. So, we thought the intrigue began at three. Now the intrigue begins at two,
1: and no intrigue at one because it's Bryce Young, right?
3: It's what everybody says. I still have a hard time imagining Frank Wright, who's never had a regular quarterback less than six four, going for a guy that's five ten and an eight, but giving up that much to get Bryce Young. But he's special in so many ways, but. Everybody says size isn't an issue. Every time he goes on the field, size is going to be an issue. Every time he gets hit, people are going to hold their breath. It's not so much one hit to knock him out. It's the wear and tear of being a quarterback over a 17-game season. And hopefully, if you're the team that drives him, you want it to be more than 17 games. But he's a special prospect, and he can't do anything about that one shortcoming and no unintended.
1: John, uh, a year ago, the Rams, they were moving on from Robert Woods, and then they end up getting Allen Robinson. Since then, today it's announced Allen Robinson traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers in exchange for a seventh round pick, and the Rams are going to eat a big a big chunk of that salary as well. The Rams are paying $10.2 million of the salary, and then the Steelers get Allen Robinson for $5 million plus a seventh round pick. And this, this goes to show you what the Rams are doing with the talent or the lack of talent for investment that uh, they've made in these guys. And they don't have the picks to replace them. They, get, they did get the Super Bowl, but they don't have the picks to replace the big money guys who didn't pan out. And here we are again looking at McVay, who says he's sticking around for the, for the long haul to see this through. Um, but they don't have the the draft capital to move around as much as maybe some other teams based on what they've done to win the title.
2: Bleep those picks, John.
3: Yeah, that's right. Anybody would do that for a chance to win a Super Bowl. Maybe not the Patriots because they've won so many of the Steelers. You think the Titans and the Texans wouldn't do that? Jaguars, Lions, of course they would. You'd sacrifice five years for one Super Bowl. The Buccaneers did it after they won their first Super Bowl. And I think the Rams, people are understanding that Allen Robinson deal. I never understood it to begin with, um, but great for him. He's going to get to go to the Steelers, and it's just going to take the Rams time to turn it around. And McVeigh is going to learn to live like the rest of the NFL lives, where there are bleak times to go with the exciting times.
2: John, we had Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network on last week. Always a great visit, always good insight. And her numbers and everything she put together, she had comps for all these quarterbacks in the draft. And a part of it was not just a comp in the league, but best system fit for a team. And she paired up Hendon Hooker with the Atlanta Falcons. And I bring this up because I do think there are two extreme wild cards in the first round at quarterback. Falcons being one. Packers being another, when you look at the current quarterback situations with both those franchises, Desmond Ritter as a third round pick going into year two with Atlanta, which I think it's odd that we're not having more questions about the future at quarterback with the Falcons. And it almost feels like a given on their end that Desmond Ritter's the guy. And the other one is Jordan Love w- with the Packers. What do you make of both of those situations and the actual level of confidence in those two guys moving forward?
3: Packers profess their love for Jordan Love, and now they're going to find out if they made the right decision. One of the reasons they need to get this deal done with the Jets is they need a second-round pick this year, whether it's an offensive lineman, tight end, wide receiver. They need to put weapons around him to maximize his strengths to help them look good for moving on for Aaron Rodgers. They've been blessed to trade for Brett Favre and then to use a low number one on Aaron Rodgers when the late Ted Thompson was the GM. And uh so I understand what they think about love. Ritter didn't see him, didn't pay any attention to him. Saw him at the University of Cincinnati. Great prospect, but I won't be surprised if they take a quarterback.
1: John, I think the other there were a couple of other wild cards though. Tennessee could be one of them. Uh for the for the guys who need a year to develop, there are several candidates with teams, I'm saying, who have a quarterback in place who could move on a year from now if you're really trying to redshirt. I'm not saying you have to do that all season, but the possibilities could be there for Tennessee, for Vegas. Uh, There there are other examples of that. Uh, Seattle comes to mind. Rams is a possibility. Rams, but it's very difficult for the Rams to get up there and do that now because they don't have the picks for like five years. And
2: I'm looking at this, in my mind immediately Hutton goes to Hendon Hooker late first round with these teams, either a team trading back, trading up into the the late first round. Those are the teams I think about outside chances of a redshirt year. Yeah. To go get a first-round quarterback, and it probably would be Hooker if it's a late first unless round. Unless he's going twelve,
3: Yeah, unless you the Texans are grabbing
2: him at twelve, The Texans may Wait, end up drafting at going. 11 and 12 if the Titans trade up with the Texans and draft their quarterback there.
3: I'm going to Seattle at twenty. I made a bet with one of my guys on the air here in Houston today, who said he wouldn't go in the first round. Wanted to bet twenty bucks, so I bet twenty bucks with him. Last year at this time, I bet a hundred. Damian Pierce would rush for a thousand yards, and he had nine thirty-eight with four games left. And then I had an ankle injury, missed the last four, and I had to pay up. And uh, this time, I've had two people, longtime quarterback coaches. Offensive coordinators, one head coach in the NFL, tell me they've been watching tape of Hooker and how much they like him. And I've been watching the thing on uh ESPN with Archie and Eli and Peyton talking about Bryce Young and then Hooker who were can- on, camp- on the clock.
2: Good good show. I've been watching yeah. it too.
3: And now I don't put any stock in what Peyton says since he went to Tennessee. But listen to Archie and Eli talk about it watching him work. I always like, because I learned this from Gary Kubiak, he likes to watch the interaction with the quarterback and other people, whether it's coaches, teammates, and watching Hooker. You know, there's nothing not to like about the guy's personality. And I think that once they got teams got to the combine and started talking to him, they were impressed. And the word got spread it started to spread, boy, this Henry Hooker, he's impressive. And so then others wanted to talk to him. Then when they would talk to him at the pro day, brought him in for a 30. And, you know, these guys, they they they'd spend a lot of time talking to each other. And I think that's why stocks gone up. I saw something, I think it was athletic today, that said hookers up into the 50s. Well, I'll be shocked if he goes in the second round. Some people think so. I'm not really sure why. Because when I have two guys that had been offensive coordinators and coached in this league for years before retiring, tell me how much they liked Hooker once said, why are more people not giving the kid from Tennessee a lot of love? I love this kid. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, torn ACL, 25 years old. He said, I don't care. He said, this kid can play. And if he gets in the right system with the right coach, he can be really good.
1: John, final 60 seconds for you, and I'm, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but I'm tying something in that you said earlier. Uh, would, would Texans fans be more pissed off that the Texans don't draft a quarterback in the first round, or if they select Will Levis at number two?
3: First of all, if they don't select a the quarterback, they're going to be devastated. If they select Will Levis, there's going to be a lot of backlash among the fans in the talk show, but at least they could sell it and saying, hey – Look at the 33rdteam.com. That's all former NFL people. They have him highest rated quarterback. Mel, Mel, uh, Just look at the bathroom Tycus selfie he
2: took. Look how great he was. rated.
3: <laughs> and we don't care if he likes Mayo in his coffee. <laughs> great arm, but he's not the Texan, not Nick Casario's kind of guy because he's outspoken and he's a great yeah. interview. They don't like that here. So people would be upset, but then they'd have to get over it because, hey, it's Will Levis or bust.
2: They haven't liked winning there recently we either. Don't, we don't like personality here. I like that stance. <laughs> T- take your fun personality and get the hell out. John, great visit
1: That's as always. That's called
3: getting neutered.
2: <laughs> and for those that don't know, he,
1: like, it's a it, lobotomy. It's a personality lobotomy when you get to the league. When John says he doesn't know, he doesn't know, while others would assume like, oh, they're going to do this or that in Houston. If John's saying he doesn't
2: know, uh, But you've still no blown my really mind knows. with some of the things you said in this interview, John. So we got a, we got a lot to unpack now that you've joined us.
3: Well, I can't wait to do it again next week as we get closer to the draft.
1: Thanks, John. Same. There's John McLean, the man. GallerySports.com is where you can read and hear more from John and Mattress Mac and all the great coverage around the NFL. Uh, Coming up, we'll dissect what McLean had to say throughout the show. We will also talk with Dane Brugler. That's less than 15 minutes away, and the former head coach at Ohio State, Urban Meyer, knows a thing or two about beating Michigan. That's what Ohio State fans would like Ryan Day to do. Uh, Meyer is giving his reasons and examples of how he did that. That's next on Hot Meyer. Chad we mentioned yesterday Ryan Day and Ohio State packed the shoe they've got what 75,000 75,000
2: paying, paying customers at least paying seven bucks customers.
1: Each. that's right uh, they also packed it whenever Michigan beat them for the second consecutive year and well needs to beat them again Urban Meyer spoke recently to Coaches Clinic this is via cleveland.com on how he always beat Michigan
0: I'm not sure there's anybody that's ever respected that rivalry more than I have. I studied it. We had it on board everywhere about who they recruited, what they were doing offensively and defensively. I had one coach. That's all he did is watch them year-round. So when someone said, well, the team up north wasn't very good, then I would look at him and say, you don't really understand this rivalry. You don't understand that. When well, we played them, the, I think three times they were in the top five in the country. So they're always good. If someone said they're not very good, then they don't. Usually that conversation ends quickly. Because first of all, that guy doesn't respect the rival. So they're very good. It's one of the top programs in America. you got a great coach, and it's a great rival.
2: You think Ryan Day's hearing that and watching it and jotting down on a notepad, Note to self, assign two coaches so, to Michigan every game, every year. Staffs now
1: for, for their conference, like the conference they plan, staffs now would have like just how many analysts per team in a conference? Three, four analysts per team? Now? Think about Bama.
2: Oh, they, they've got an staff. army of them.
1: Yeah, there's, I'm sure I, Ohio State does too. I, I think the, the vast majority of the upper tier of Power Five, they're doing more I than just, just scouting Michigan every week.
2: I think it's hilarious though that – you know, I've got yeah. one guy signed to Michigan all year. Can you imagine being the lowly offensive, defensive analyst, whoever, that, hey, what'd you do this season? I did nothing but study Michigan for one game all year. From off season I mean, on, I'm studying Michigan for that rivalry. NFL's doing the same thing. It's worthwhile. <laughs> I mean, it's that big of a rivalry. It's that big of a game. I, I'm partly making fun of it, but I, I also wh- think it's worth it. it. That game is that big.
1: And I hope Ryan Day's doing that.
2: I would hope he is. He's got enough people to do whatever he wants. <laughs> but I'm seriously thinking if he hears that, he's like, okay, I'm putting two guys on I'm going to do an interview and say, you know what? I got two coaches. That's all they do. Appalachian State's doing that, Jeff. I got one guy who brings me my Keurig coffee uh, every day and another guy who studies Michigan year-round. Dane
1: Brugler next. We talk NFL draft with the best.